And guess what? It's time for Making Kayfabe with your hosts, Bryce and Dylan. Hello and welcome to Making Kayfabe, the podcast where two writers whose names rhyme with nice and villain take it in turns to fantasy book summer wrestling's wildest ideas, biggest misopportunities and most blatant ball drops. Thanks for joining us. This week's a big in because we're going to dive headfirst into one of our most requested episodes ever, which is the Nexus storyline from 2010. The Nexus storyline had huge potential and for a short while was a much needed shakeup in WWE, but due to reasons, which we'll get into in the catch-up, they never did reach the heights that they had every right to reach. Today, I will fantasy book what I believe would have made the most out of this storyline, but first, hey... If you haven't listened to Making Kayfabe before, my name's Bryce, and let's check in with my co-host, Dylan the Villain, and see how he's getting on. How are you doing, Dylan? I'm very good. I am a villain. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, showcase that too much, though. Uh, the police might hear. Why Why have you never actually called yourself Dylan the Villain? It's a great name. Oh, because, like, fact, why, 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 why hasn't anyone called themselves Dylan the Villain? Well, like I said, I don't want to draw too much attention to myself. I don't want to make it easy for the police. I guess that makes sense, yeah. If they see that you're named Villain, they're going to be like, that guy's probably committing crimes, right? Yeah, they're like, he's up yeah. to something. I'm like, I don't yeah. need the police knowing that. That's I don't need that on my, my back right now, you know? Meanwhile, they see Nice Bryce, and they're like, oh, we'll leave that guy alone. He sounds all right. Yeah, but well, you get away with all the crimes. It's not fair. That's it. It's great. No, it's not great. Steering back on topic. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what, are your, uh, what are your memories, you know, thoughts, musings on the wrestling faction known as the Nexus? I loved the gimmick. I whenever they did, well, uh, to be fair, I think I can clarify and and everybody will agree with me in that when they first kind of did the NXT thing, nobody was buying it. This was nope. stupid. And then <laughs> one day the guys from the NXT all came together and just ripped everything apart, beat the shit out of John Cena and Justin Roberts, just wrecked the show. Like that's how the show ended and you're like that's interesting that's amazing like there's so many questions coming out of that it it got eyes on them it was really interesting that's when they got people funny enough that's also around about the time they lost people because (laughs) in typical wwe style and you know this wouldn't be on our list if it wasn't for the wwe and their consistent ability to just throw away a good thing this this could have been great and they fudged it up pretty quickly it really didn't take them that long to screw this up. The hottest angle in a long time. The best thing WWE had done in a long time. And they threw it away. And it was a damn shame. Yeah, it's, it's, they, they definitely did throw it away. I think a lot of people pick SummerSlam 2010 as the kind of time where it all went to shit. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, like you're right. It was it was new. It was interesting. I remember at the time when it all happened, like just watching it and thinking, oh... I've got a reason to watch WWE again, you know, because um, like they're doing some you know experimental shit here, and uh, you know it's not something that's been done before. Really, you get these like well, essentially eight um, nobodies, I guess, um, from NXT who a lot of people wouldn't be familiar with, and they're tearing up shit. And you know it was just uh, really, really bloody interesting, and uh, I think they could have went all the way. Um, did, did do you reckon they could have? Like, I mean, by the I guess I'm talking about Wade Barrett, the leader. Like, yeah, was like he two of them? world title <laughs> level? Yeah. I think that they were stupid to not pull the trigger on Wade Barrett at that time. Yeah. Because even if it didn't work, like, we've seen them put the belt on people and then go, oh, you know, oops. 
It didn't work. We tried it. Jack Swagger. Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal. The, but even at that time, the great Kali, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It just, it it didn't work with those guys. And it, they, they could have done it with Wade Barrett just to see what it was like. Yeah. He had all the momentum. He had the group behind him. It all made sense. So, of course, that's not what they did at all. Well, that, that, that's, a, that's a bloody thing, though. Like, I don't... I've not got perfect memory to remember what fucking Jack Swagger's 2010 was like, but, like, you know, why would they give him a shot? I'm sure he wasn't as over as Wade Barrett was, basically, at that time. Right. And yet, they gave him the belt, but they didn't even... No, well, they, gave, they put Wade Barrett in world title shots, but they never gave him the belt. So I, I don't understand it. I really don't. And they put him up against guys like John Cena and Randy Orton. And you're like, well, this mm. is it. This is how you make him look big time. Yeah. Right? He's got momentum. Follow up on it. And instead of that, <laughs> they were like, no, no, no. John Cena needs this win. You know? <laughs> Which... or, or John Cena was like, John Cena needs this win. As well, we find out soon. Yeah. from what we've heard. And we have mm. we have specific, we have sources on the inside. We do have sources. And our 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 sources are the internet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Google. Yes. Yes. So I'm sure I'm sure we'll get to that point at some some point in the, in the show. One other thing I do like about all of this, and I assume this is going to come up in your re- rebooking, is that this was around about the time that Cody Rhodes was on the WWE TV. So it looks like we're going to see another Cody Rhodes rebooking. Yeah, that's it. Time for Cody Rhodes. Part three, Cody Rhodes leads the Nexus. I mean, we we missed him out the last couple of episodes, so it's good to get him back in the mix, you know? We're getting withdrawal symptoms from, from Cody. I know, miss him already. Not having enough Cody, yeah. So we do need to slot him in at some point. Maybe maybe he'll appear in the storyline. Who knows? We'll see. Mm. But, but yeah, let's... Um, so we'll get to Cody Rhodes later, maybe. But let's, for now, do... <laughs> A wee bit of uh, you know catching up before we get into the fantasy booking. So yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Let's see what did happen with the Nexus, which will maybe tell us why they need to be rebooked for today's episode of Making Kayfabe. Let's do it. Well, we start our catch up in NXT, not current day. NXT, known for people like Braun Breaker and Mandy Rose, nor the previous version of NXT, known for people like Tommaso Ciampa and Asuka. I'm talking about the the version of NXT known for being a game show, boasting winners such as Caval, Caitlin, Derek Bateman, who all lasted really long in WWE. Yeah, the original NXT was the game show, as you said earlier, Dylan, the first of which would actually give birth to the Nexus. And the concept was pretty simple. Eight de- developmental wrestlers would be coached by eight pros and undertake certain challenges like races, promo battles, and sometimes actually wrestling too. I'm going to name all eight of these season's rookies, Dylan, mm-hmm. and you're going to try and guess who their pros were. So we'll <laughs> do this quick fire, no pissing about, and I'll give you a brief clue if you get stuck. So here we go. You ready? Yep. Wade Barrett. Chris Jericho. Correct. David Otunga. Uh-oh. <laughs> 24-7 legend. R-Truth. Yep. Justin Gabriel. Uh, Chris Jericho. <laughs> Again? <What>? Yeah. He's really <laughs> going to guess Chris Jericho for all of these. Yes. <laughs> uh, one half of a tag team that's still active today. Matt Hardy. Yeah, Matt Hardy. Uh, Heath Slater. What's his pro? Uh, Rhino. No, Christian. Oh. Uh, Darren Young. Um... Current AEW champion, sort of. Punk? Yep. <laughs> Skip Sheffield? He didn't need a, a, 
a guy. He he could just do it by himself. He's that good. He had he had the best guy. The best guy. War games. Oh, William Regal. Yeah. Good Skip Shepard had William Regal. What <laughs> have they done to that? Right. Good right. God. Did they? Oh my God. <laughs> Daniel Bryan. That was a Miz. That was a Miz, your favourite. And Michael Tarver. Oh. Somebody who's really really cool. Carlito. Yeah, Carlito. And uh, yeah, Mark Merrill. Uh, Mark, oh, that would be Johnny B. Bad. Yeah, Johnny B. Bad, yeah. I don't know if you saw that video on Twitter, did you? I did. <laughs> I really liked how everybody else in the Nexus was beating up John Cena. And Mark Merrill was just kind of posing. He's posing, just yeah. flexing. He's flexing the biceps, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's taking his time, you know, really milking it in, you know. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Matthew, uh, who literally guesses Mark Merrill every week for episode reveals. Um, yeah, lovely guy who writes tabletop RPGs. Uh, check him out at Dawkins MP on Twitter if that's your thing. I don't know uh, if this is a spoiler or not, but I really do want to write a rebooking for Mark Merrill. Oh, dude, don't let don't let him hear you say that. <laughs> but that's not that's not a bit. We're not, you know, this isn't like a bit for the show. I, I totally would love to do that. Are we legitimately going to see Mark Merrill in season seven? I don't know if it's season seven because I've got some stuff that we had to cut out from season six. We that, did, yeah. So that's good. We'll see if there's any room left over. We might get. Some, but then if we do Mark Merrill, who's he going to guess after that? Just Mark Merrill again. Mm. <laughs> We've done Cody Rose twice, so. <laughs> right, we're going to do Mark Merrill three times exactly yeah we'll see anyway all right but yeah so the season of nxt lasted for four months with the eventual winner being wade barrett a direct blunt heelish money motivated six foot seven inch man who we will be talking about lots today um the season ended on june 1st 2010 and then the nexus they debuted six days later on june 7th just over 12 years ago as we record this and boy does that make me feel old their debut is arguably one of the greatest in WWE's history, certainly one of the most memorable. It was during the main event of Raw, which was CM Punk versus John Cena. While Cena was hitting his five moves of doom, NXT winner Wade Barrett walked out onto the stage, distracting Cena. Soon after, the other NXT competitors show up at ringside as they attacked CM Punk's straight out society, as well as the ringside crew. They then all got up onto the ring apron, surrounding a lone John Cena. They mug Cena, absolute gang assault, and all eight members kind of kicking and clubbing away at him. They go outside the ring, kick Matt Stryker in the head, flip the commentary table onto Jerry Lawler, and uh, eek, choke Justin Roberts with his own tie, which I'm sure won't come back to haunt anybody. Basically, they destroy the whole place, leaving Cena to be taken away on a stretcher. Shortly after their debut, damn it! Daniel Bryan is fired for choking Justin Roberts, Joberts with Justin Roberts, Roberts. with his own tie. <laughs> Justin Joberts. <laughs> he did the job that night. <laughs> he did do the job to his own tie. Um, his absence is explained as him feeling remorse for joining in the Nexus assault. Barrett gets in the mic and says that the Nexus are here to get back at WWE management for their treatment on NXT. Their goal was to get WWE contracts, which none of the members had, other than Barrett, who received one for winning the first season of NXT. They'd then go on to start assaulting influential people in the company, like Bret Hart, who was Raw General Manager at the time, Ricky Steamboat, Dusty Rhodes, and even Mr. McMahon. In fact, they beat up Bret Hart so bad that the anonymous Raw general manager took his place. Thanks, Nexus. Oh, that was them? That, that was them. They, they, they started all that shit. God damn. 
Yeah. But yeah, the Nexus would be placed into a feud with John Cena, which ultimately was their downfall and what many think was a total momentum killer for the group. On July 18th at Money in the Bank, they interfered in a WWE title cage match between John Cena and Sheamus. They cost Cena the match after blocking him from exiting the cage, allowing Sheamus to climb out the other side. This made John Cena a wee bit unhappy, so he challenged the Nexus to a huge 7-on-7 match at SummerSlam, Bury, 2010, which we'll get into. Um, so, the match was the Nexus versus Team WWE, basically. It was Wade Barrett, David Otunga, Justin Gabriel, Heath Slater, Darren Young, Skip Sheffield and Michael Tarver on Team Nexus, of course. And on Team WWE, there was John Cena... Our latest Patreon rebooking subject, John Morrison. Yay! Uh, R-Truth, Edge, Chris Jericho, Bret Hart, and a surprise member. Now get this. The seventh member was supposed to be the great Cali. <laughs> but in his place, they got Daniel fucking Bryan. I mean, look which at... Which is, is a bit of an upgrade, right? Looking back at it now... I mean, it made sense at the time, but looking back at it now, surely Bret Hart is a surprise <laughs> member of that group. I mean, yeah, Bret, Bret Hart was in there, like, but he was... What the fuck? Like, he's already been attacked. Yeah, he's been attacked by the Nexus, so he's on the roster technically at that point. That's when he was winning the fucking US title and shit. Yeah, who did you beat for that? Uh, <laughs> your boy. Uh, well, he's certainly not my boy. <laughs> he's your boy. Don't... Let's go back to not talking about The Miz. <laughs> Let's not talk about The Miz. Uh, anyway, oh boy. The match starts all right. Um, in fact, most of it is fairly even. Neither team has a massive advantage at any point. The The main talking point of the match is the end. So it gets down to two on one. Wade Barrett and Justin Gabriel versus John Cena. Barrett and Gabriel have Cena on the outside of the ring and they pull up the ringside mats and expose the concrete below. Wade Barrett DDTs John Cena on the concrete. On the concrete. His head, head right on the concrete. His, his head hit the concrete. Because we know a DDT is a, a like devastating move to begin yes. with. And also, then, concrete. To have it, yeah, <laughs> but exactly to have it done on the concrete. John Cena could be dead. He, he yeah, he could, he could be dead. So hey, guess what happens? So sl- slight spoilers for the listener here, but John Cena wins this match. What? Uh, <laughs> that's not even the shocking part. Dylan, c- can I get your best guess on how soon? John Cena won this match after being driven face first into solid concrete. Uh, let me see. So he's just got his head cracked onto this concrete. Yes. He probably like got back up, rolled into the ring, um, attitude adjustment to both guys. I'm gonna say forty seconds. Oh, I mean, it was it was. Let, let me break it down for you. You're, you're not too far off. I mean, it was uh, as atrocious as, as that, basically. So, one minute and five seconds later, John Cena avoids a 450 splash from Justin Gabriel mm-hmm. and covers him immediately for the 1 2 3. What? One minute and 27 seconds after the DDT, John Cena has Wade Barrett locked in the STF. And then, one minute and 38 seconds after having his skull being smashed into concrete by one of WWE's hottest up and coming stars and years John Cena taps Wade Barrett out to win the match for his team fuck that absolutely fuck that right yeah 1 minute and 38 seconds like 40 seconds I don't even know if that would have been worse because it's like it's the fucking same right (laughs) right like both ridiculous exactly like I don't get why you had to tap him out that's ridiculous Mm. 
Like, and then like just two eliminations, less than two minutes after being fucking driven face first in the car. Ah, makes me so angry. Well, here's what I don't get: like, why did they go for the 450 splash instead of just pinning John Cena? That is true. That is you know? true. But but then, yeah. like you said, he kicked. You know, he was able to move around and pin the other guy anyway. So like, he probably would have kicked out. But you know, again, hindsight being twenty twenty as it is, still bullshit. I bl- I agree with you there. Yeah, still utter bullshit. And on the on an episode of Talk is Jericho in two thousand and thirteen, Edge and Chris Jericho discussed how their idea was to put Nexus over in the match to establish him as a true threat in WWE. This was apparently what was meant to happen, but again, apparently, Super Cena refused to lose, and the finish was changed on the day of the event. That doesn't work for me, brother. Anyway, to WWE's abject shock and horror, the Nexus suddenly aren't over anymore. What? Who could have seen it coming? Who could have seen it coming? The, the Nexus. Who could have seen it coming? I feel really bad. That was not a good joke. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. It's not. You get one bad joke per episode, yeah. So. Uh oh. <laughs> I am in a lot of debt. <laughs> The next night on Raw, Nexus take part in seven one-on-one matches against Team WWE members. Whichever Nexus member loses their one-on-one match would be exiled from the group. Darren Young was the only Nexus member to lose, so he got kicked out of Nexus. Later that month, Skip Sheffield broke his ankle at a house show, <laughs> putting him out of action for a very long time. Hmm. At Hell in a Cell 2010, Barrett faced Cena one-on-one. If Barrett won, Cena would have to join Nexus. If Cena won... Or, if any members of the Nexus interfered, Nexus would have to disband. Barrett won the match with help from new recruits, Michael McGillicuddy and Husky Harris. Cena was then forced to join Nexus. The next night on Raw, Cena attacks original member Michael Tarver, who Barrett then exiles from the group, citing Cena had done him a favour. Cena then got fired for disobeying Wade Barrett and costing him the WWE Championship. Dylan... How long do you think it took for John Cena to appear on WWE TV after being fired? 40 seconds. <laughs> it just like goes backstage and comes immediately back out. It's yeah. me. Uh, I'm back. I'd say, I'm rehired. Yeah. So he, he got, when did he get fired? On a pay-per-view? Yep. Oh, the Raw the next night. You're fucking spot on, mate. Bingo. You're spot on. One go. fucking day. Um, he'd appear in the crowds and start interfering to cost Nexus matches and... Like, honestly, I, I kind of stopped researching at this point because the story is, <laughs> is so fucking shite and I just don't even want to talk about it anymore. Like, just watching John Cena during this era was like pulling teeth. And, like, I, I, I like Cena, all right? His, his US title run um, with the Open Challenges was like legitimately one of my favourite periods in wrestling. Maybe the last time I truly enjoyed WWE, but this fucking sucked, man. It was so bad. Very briefly, in January 2011, CM Punk, of all people, took over leadership of the Nexus Obviously. after the group exiled Barrett, of course. Uh, Barrett moved to SmackDown along with Heath Slater, Justin Gabriel, and formed a group called The Core, which also had the final ECW champion Ezekiel Jackson in it too. I mean, this sounds um, like a classic, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just such shit, man. Such, such shit, honestly. It's, <laughs> wait, wait, so this is... This what is, could this... have been... This is like eight months later. Yeah, Good if that. It's, giant, it's, it's, it's six or seven months later. Yeah, it's like eight, six, seven months after the hottest debut in WWE in God knows how long they're doing this, you know? Mm. It's just 
unbelievable how a fucking team of writers cannot make this good. But yeah, CM Punk taking over was basically the end because it wasn't long into CM Punk's reign as Nexus leader that he cut the famous pipe bomb promo and then changed the course of his career. The core didn't last long either. Um, they disbanded about six months after forming and that really was the end. That was it. But where are they now? What are the Nexus up to these days? Well, let's review. <laughs> Wade Barrett is now a commentator for WWE NXT 2.0. That's that's decent. He that that's okay. Like yeah. he went on to be an Intercontinental Champion. Now he's a commentator. He's doing okay. He's he's doing all right. Yeah, you can't you can't argue too much. Other than he absolutely should have been WWE Champion. But hey, um, Michael Tarver is now a Christian hip hop artist. <laughs> 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 Bet you didn't see that one coming. <laughs> he writes hip hop about the rest are Christian. Nothing about Edge though. Well, it's, no. it's hard of the rhyme. It's incredible that Christian hip hop has its own genre, like just about Christian. Yeah, like you know, Christian Cage. I mean, there's, that's, that's there's, insane. There's a lot to say about that man. There is. There's a few things, but yeah. we'll go into it today. We'll wait for the Michael Tarver rebooking, uh, which may or not might be coming never. But anyway, um, <laughs> David Otunga, um, no longer famous for being married to his much more famous wife, so he's no longer famous. Not, exactly, not famous for anything. Yeah. <laughs> not famous for anything at all. Um, Justin Gabriel, now known as PJ Black. Yeah, he's, he's been yeah, he's been dotting around the indies. Yeah. He's been in Ring of Honor, um, so he's been doing all right for himself. Um Someone else who's doing very well for himself is Darren Young. Yeah. Uh, he is uh, wrestling as Fred Rosser right now, uh, most recently on New Japan Strong. He's actually, as we record this, the current reigning New Japan Strong Openweight Champion. So, yeah. So that's he's doing all, right. all right. So, that's, so let's yeah. say two so far doing all right. Yeah. Yeah, two, three. Um, Wade Barrett, Justin Gabriel, Darren Young. Like, yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Heath Slater um, had a semi-decent run in WWE as a comedy character before signing for Impact Wrestling, where he is now, so... I think he did alright, yep. He, he did okay. Um, Skip Sheffield <laughs> renamed himself Ryback and completely lost his fucking mind. <laughs> Not doing so well. <laughs> Something's up with that guy. There's uh, something not quite right in the poor boy's head, but yeah, he's he's a, he's an enigma. And uh, Daniel Bryan obviously went on to much bigger things, proving himself to be one of the most important and influential talents of his generation. So overall, the Nexus were great because they were fresh faces, which was sorely needed at this stage in 2010. The idea of eight promising young hooligans taking over WWE was exciting for the fans and with the amount of members in the group, they could have literally gone for miles. Unfortunately, they were shut down pretty quickly, leading them to becoming another one of wrestling several what-ifs. But hey, what-if, right? What if Cena didn't get his way? What if Wade Barrett was pushed as a top-tier main eventer as many predicted he would be? What if Nexus had a rocket strapped to them and maintained their momentum? That's what we're about to find out as I fantasy book the Nexus in WWE. Alright, so huge surprise to kickstart this booking. Nexus don't fucking lose at SummerSlam 2010. But it ain't a straight up normal victory. We're going to add a bit of uh, spice to this. So at the start of the 7 on 7 match, there's going to be a mass brawl. So, you know doesn't start like every other elimination match in WWE history. 
and when I'm talking big mass brawl, I, I mean big mass brawl. Um, I suppose I was influenced a little bit by AEW's Anarchy in the Arena to, to an extent here because this is what I had in mind. You've got 14 people brawling all over the arena. The ref can't count anyone out because the match hasn't technically started yet. But the reason we're going to be doing this big brawl is so that we can perfectly hide swerve number one of the story. The swerve being that on Team WWE, there is a mole. And while the teams are brawling one-on-one -on -one style all over the arena, the mole has the perfect camouflage. And the way this is filmed is going to be very important because the fans need to see this mole on the Titantron. But the other wrestlers in Team WWE, they're not going to know what's going on because they're brawling with the Nexus guys. You know, too distracted to see what's happening around them. So the mole is going to be Chris Jericho for reasons which will be explained shortly. Because he's a little bitch. He's a little bitch, yeah. Don't tell him I said that. That's Tony Khan. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jericho will be going around the arena helping each Nexus member two-on-one a member of Team WWE. He'll attack each WWE guy from behind with a foreign object like a wrench or something and the WWE guys will never see it coming because even if they did see Jericho, they would see him as a member of their team, Team WWE. Meanwhile, the commentators are screaming about how Jericho is a Judas, insert pun here, uh, frantically explaining how he turned his back on the entire WWE, clearly to align himself with this gang of Nexus hooligans. But yeah, eventually, the Nexus get the six WWE guys back into the ring, with Jericho joining his new brothers in arms. One by one, Team WWE guys are rolled into the ring completely unconscious, where leader Wade Barrett is ready to cover them. John Morrison gets rolled into the ring, Barrett covers him, 1-2-3. R-Truth, Edge, Daniel Bryan, Bret Hart all follow, each of them getting pinned by Wade Barrett in a matter of seconds thanks to the beatdown from Nexus and turncoat Chris Jericho. John Cena gets rolled into the ring and okay, fair enough, it's John Cena, he's going to put up a bit of a fight. Maybe you do that thing where it looks like John Cena's going to eliminate Barrett, you know, tease it a bit, but then Barrett catches him throws him with his wasteland finish and covers him. And the final thing, the cherry on top of the cake, there is one member of Team WWE left. Chris Jericho gets into the ring with a smug look on his face. He is being crucified on commentary. The fans are giving him red hot heat as they boo the hell out of him. But Jericho doesn't care. He wears that shit-eating grin as he gets down to one knee, rolls onto his back and lets Wade Barrett pin him. One, two, three. Team Nexus had defeated Team WWE, and it's all because they had Chris Jericho as a mole the entire time. The Nexus finds Cena on the outside of the ring, and dude, they're gonna fucking destroy him. He's gonna go through both announcers' tables. They're gonna pull up the canvas from the ring and slam him onto the boards, maybe with Wade Barrett's wasteland. And to finalise things, they're gonna expose the concrete on the outside of the ring, and then they're gonna DDT Cena onto it. It's not gonna work. Don't do it. <laughs> He'll just get back up again. <laughs> not, not in this booking. Super Cena is not in this booking. Okay. SummerSlam 2010 ends with the Nexus celebrating their victory in the ring over a bloody, broken and beaten John Cena. Monday Night Raw, August 16th. We're going to need a, a bloody explanation, aren't we? Thankfully, the Nexus and Chris Jericho come out to kick off Monday Night Raw, all looking very smug, all seeming very dominant. 
Wade Barrett is going to take the mic first and he's going to cut a promo about he and the Nexus successfully outsmarted and bested six of WWE's best. He laughed at WWE's attempts to defeat them, citing that they never had a chance right from the start. What they don't realise is that the Nexus are a unit. They had game plan A, B and C. They know each other inside out because they fought with each other for years. Psychologically, they were always going to be one step ahead of Team WWE, who were literally just seven guys thrown together. And that was proved by how they didn't even know one of their own members was part of the Nexus all this time. Naivety does not belong in the main event, and the Nexus proved this last night at SummerSlam by revealing Chris Jericho as the new member of the Nexus. And then, without further ado... Wade Barrett passes the mic over to Nexus's newly revealed advisor of anarchy, Chris Jericho. Jericho, the Judas, of course, gets booed so loudly. Um, by the way, advisor of anarchy, um, you know Jericho likes his, uh, his t-shirtable phrases, right? He loves a good catchphrase or nickname. So yeah, that, that'll be the next t-shirt they can sell. He Chris d- Jericho, he, ad- yeah, advisor of anarchy. He does love his bullshit, doesn't he? <laughs> he loves <laughs> But it works, that's the thing. It generally works. Like He's got so many Not all fucking the time. catchphrases. I mean, most, most of the, the time, time I'll, I'll grant yeah. you this. He's very good at that. But he doesn't hit the mark every time. De- definitely not. But I mean, like, you, you fucking, how many t-shirts has he sold based on catchphrases he's had, right? He is very good at coming up with catchphrases. He's very good at selling t-shirts, and that's why he's a very rich man. But, um, that's, but what, yeah, that's Jericho- what the rest of the business is all about, t-shirt sales. It is, yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. It's not about wrestling anymore. <laughs> hey, man! Like, I know people who make like more money from t-shirt sales than they do from wrestling. So, you know what happens. Uh, but yeah, Jericho is now on the mic, and he's going to reveal that he has been the Nexus's advisor right from the start, along with Wade Barrett. Of course, Chris Jericho was seen to the public as Wade Barrett's pro during season one of NXT, but in reality, he was so much more than that. You see, Nexus, as they are now known, have been sick of WWE for a very long time. Many within the Nexus have been part of this developmental system for years and years, never getting a chance to come up to the main roster. And hey, Jericho knows all about that struggle of not liking where you are and wanting to be somewhere better. So earlier this year, Jericho travelled down to Florida Championship Wrestling. He met some of the ruthless, hungry talent down there and so pitched the idea of NXT to Vince McMahon. A few months later, and what do you know, NXT is now a weekly television series featuring contestants hand-picked by Chris Jericho. With Wade Barrett taking the lead, Chris Jericho was there to advise him every step of the way and it was all leading up to the coup de grace that was delivered at WWE SummerSlam. Jericho notes that Wade Barrett is the leader of Nexus and always has been, but he does not have the decade of experience in WWE that Jericho has, so Jericho's role within the Nexus is, as his nickname states, he is the advisor of anarchy. He will lend his experience to the Nexus so he can help the group grow and change the face of WWE. He talks about how the Nexus's master plan to take over WWE is almost complete, and all they're missing now is gold. But at that stage, Jericho's interrupted. Five members of Team WWE from SummerSlam walk out onto the entrance ramp. John Morrison, R-Truth, Edge, Daniel Bryan and Bret Hart. Notably, no John Cena. You can't see him, because he's not there. Regardless though, these five guys aren't too happy with Chris Jericho after he basically screwed them last night. Bret Hart takes a mic and warns the Nexus that they have some scores to settle, and that they won't forget what happened at SummerSlam. 
they're going to start getting their revenge next week. Wade Barrett grabs the mic and assures Bret Hart and his WWE friends that he is looking forward to it and warns Hart that he will continue to learn what it means to be either Nexus or against us. It's another t- uh, t-shirt catchphrase. That's another. That's it. And it's selling those t-shirts, baby. Does Jericho get money from that from that t-shirt? He gets uh, one eighth of it. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah. That's us for tonight. But I want to take. A, I, I want to talk a very quick bit about why we're adding Jericho to the Nexus. Um, I mean, the Nexus is already looking pretty cramped tonight. Right now, we've got Barrett and Jericho out front. We've got Justin Gabriel, Heath Slater, Darren Young, Skip Sheffield. David Otunga and Michael Tarver there too, and for me, that was one of the few problems in the Nexus. You know, while having these seven new faces is part of the excitement, the problem is that, you know, they're new faces. It's not like the new face um, is, a, is a Cody Rhodes or, I don't know, another example, AJ Styles, right? Um, guys who wrestling fans know because of their work in AW and TNA. These are seven fresh faces who the WWE audience really only know from the game show season of NXT, which barely anyone fucking watched. So, in my mind, I think you need to add a familiar face to this group to keep the viewers engaged. Mm -hmm. So, that's it, really. Chris Jericho adds a bit of star power to Nexus in aligning himself with the group. And having it be Jericho specifically makes sense because for four months, he was the pro of Wade Barrett, Nexus's leader. Um, anyway, just wanted to clarify that a bit in case some people are thinking, why bother adding Jericho, you know? I think that's a valid point, though. Like, mm. who? No offence to Michael Tarver. Who gives a <laughs> fuck about Michael Tarver? People who listen to Christian hip-hop. Well, yeah. <laughs> does, well, he doesn't call himself Michael Tarver. Uh, maybe he does, I don't know. Surely that's trademarked, just in case it's WWE, you want to I mean, use yeah, it again. Point, yes, yeah. <laughs> Unless that's his real name, I don't know. Yeah, but like at the, you know, they're all like, what, seven or eight unknown people, you know, it's it's yeah. a new gimmick. You can tell that Wade Barrett's the leader, but the other ones haven't really had a chance to shine. It makes sense exactly. to put somebody else, like a, a Jericho is a big, big name, like put somebody else up there, get yeah. gets the eyes on them, you know? Exactly, man. Yeah, it's just a, it's a bit of star power, a bit of, um, you know, just recognizability is that a word um, it is now it is now we're adding it to the dictionary cool um but yeah it just uh yeah it adds that little bit of um familiarity to the audience uh adding jericho in there um by the way did a quick google michael tarver's christian hip-hop name is <laughs> monster tarver monster monster tarver what yeah do me a favor yeah. Put some put some of his music on as the opening tune to this episode. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I've I've not listened to it yet. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll fucking see if it's um if it's horrendous then uh then it absolutely won't be an intro. yes, then absolutely 100% of it's yeah. terrible. <laughs> People will tune in thinking what the hell is this? <laughs> oh, another episode of Christian Radio. Yeah, that's it, yeah, with your host Bryson Dillon. They're going to get very, very <laughs> disappointed very quickly. Oh, my God. All right. Um, we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, <laughs> that means no. Roses are dead and violets are black. I can tell when my spirit is under attack. The roses are red and violets are blue. Let's go. 
are red and violets are blue I'm not broken or dead but I'm trying to prove That the quotes in my head are in line with the truth And I know what I said but I'm trying to do If it's over your head then the sky's been blue I've been sober instead and my wine has been new Cause you hoping I'm dead but my life will improve and I know Monday Night Raw, August 23rd At the top of the show We get an announcement from Michael Cole on commentary On the whereabouts of John Cena Michael Cole confirms that John Cena has consulted doctors and surgeons and unfortunately it has been deemed that he will be out of action indefinitely. This is down to multiple injuries suffered at the hands of the Nexus. We won't be seeing John Cena for a while. Everybody cries, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, again, love John Cena, but just fucking intolerable during this era. Um, he's not needed anymore in this story, at least for now. Get the fellas some time off, you know, let him heal up after being on the road for so long. But he's been working hard, and with the benefit of hindsight from what did happen in real life, we cannot have him fucking up this Nexus storyline. Anyway, on the next couple of episodes, we have a few loose ends that we need to, t- we need to tie up before we move on. So, Team WWE vowed that they would, they would get their revenge on the Nexus. The first part of this will be a tag team match, which is John Morrison and R-Truth, with Bret Hart in their corner, versus Wade Barrett and Chris Jericho with the Nexus in their corner. And unfortunately for Morrison and Truth, they are not going to be successful in getting revenge. They'll have a good match, but ultimately Wade Barrett will pin John Morrison with the Wasteland and the Nexus will dispel Morrison, Truth and Hart after the match. Why does it got to be Morrison that takes a pin after I rebooked him so strongly? Um, Patreon page. He is the bigger star, so it makes Wade Barrett better by beating him. Oh, well, that makes sense. Carry on. Phew, got away with that one. Uh, Monday Night Raw, August 30th. The other half of Team WDB are now going to try and get their revenge. So, on the show, we're going to have Edge and Daniel Bryan go up against the team of Chris Jericho and Darren Young of the Nexus. During this match, there's going to be a couple of key things. First, Darren Young is going to put up a good fight in this match. He's going to get himself over. We're going to make him look very strong against, against Edge and Bryan. Uh, keep that part in mind because long-term booking, baby. However, in the match, Edge is going to do Edge things. He's going to walk out on his partner, Daniel Bryan, leaving Daniel Bryan to be fed to the wolves. And when Darren Young is just about to get the victory over Daniel Bryan, Chris Jericho tags himself in. Jericho locks Daniel Bryan in the walls of Jericho and Daniel Bryan taps out. Darren Young looks a bit peeved, but overall, he's happy his team has won the match. He celebrates with Jericho. Edge and Daniel Bryan now have a bit of heat with each other, so that takes them out of the picture for a while as they feud. By the way, it's uh, unfortunately uh, around this time that Skip Sheffield, in real life, breaks his ankle. And as always in Making Kayfabe, we're working with the hand we're given in real life, so Skip Sheffield is, alas, now out of the Nexus. Is this because you didn't want to have to rebug Ryback? Absolutely, yes. I, uh, but fair so- enough. <laughs> I'll give you a pass for that. Who? Who? I mean, make- I mean, no, no. It's because uh, it's real life. Yeah. It's oh real yeah, life. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. So to review, the current members of the Nexus are Wade Barrett, Chris Jericho, David Otonga, Justin Gabriel, Heath Slater, Michael Tarver, and Darren Young. Monday Night Raw, September sixth. Our storyline here is going to change course. So for winning NXT, I don't know if you remember this, but Wade Garrett. Wade Garrett, what the fuck am I doing today? Wade Barrett was given the right to challenge for any championship in WWE, whichever he wanted, whenever he wanted, as long as he set the date. And so, he went for like... the European Championship. <laughs> he went. And he so- brought it back. Somebody <laughs> had to tell him, Wade Barrett, that hasn't been around since 2002. 
<laughs> Someone had to call the, for, the the last European champion and get get them in the ring. Who was it? Rob Van Dam? Oh, maybe or Jeff Hardy. Oh, maybe it was, was Rob Van Dam because there was unification matches. I remember yeah. that. So um, I think it would have been Rob Van Dam because he won it and unified it, right? I, I think that's right. Yeah, and think something's telling me Christian as well was the, the the second last champion in the match, but I might be wrong. I remember I remember Tommy Dreamer versus Rob Van Dam unifying the, the hardcore intercontinental and yeah. uh, that big ladder match or something. But yeah, that that was uh, yeah many years ago, many years before this. But mm-hmm. anyway, it's not the European title. Oh, um, with that in mind. <laughs> Wade Barrett announces uh, tonight his intention to cash in his shot for the WWE Championship at Night of Champions, which is the next pay-per-view on the 2010 calendar. In this story, the current champion is going to be Randy Orton. He will have won the WWE title at SummerSlam. Full transparency, he won the title slightly later in real life, but I feel he works better for the story than Sheamus does. Um, So... The match is set for a night of champions. Wade Barrett versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. And to start hyping the match, we're going to have Randy Orton come out onto the stage. He'll motion to Barrett, pointing out the Nexus crew surrounding him. I mean, Randy Orton's not dumb. He's not getting the ring in the ring with these seven guys. They'll just kick his ass like they did to everybody else. He shouts at Wade, I ain't getting in that ring until, until you tell your boys to scram. Are you scared to face me alone? And Wade Barrett is no scaredy cat. He orders the Nexus members to fall to the outside of the ring, but Jericho doesn't move, just in case. Jericho hangs out in the corner of the ring as Randy Orton enters. Randy Orton ignores Jericho completely and walks over to Wade Barrett. He holds his WWE Championship high above his head as Barrett stares him down. Chris Jericho, though, is not a fan of being ignored. He and Orton have history, of course, and he ain't Orton's biggest fan. So Jericho, the hothead he is, he shouts at Orton to acknowledge his presence. Orton continues to ignore him, so Chris Jericho approaches him, taps him on the shoulder. And then before you know it, Chris Jericho has eaten an RKO from Randy Orton, who has now escaped out of the ring and through the crowd. Raw ends with Orton celebrating a patented RKO out of nowhere with his fans as the Nexus tended Chris Jericho in the middle of the ring. That is, every member apart from Wade Barrett. Barrett just stares down Randy Orton as the show goes off the air. Monday Night Raw, September 13th. It's the week before the pay-per-view Night of Champions, so we're going to have a tune-up match for Randy Orton. He's going to go one-on-one against Nexus member Darren Young. Much like in the tag match a few weeks ago, Darren Young is going to put up a hell of a fight. He'll have a good 15-20 minute match with Orton. Orton will have some trouble putting him away, but eventually he does. He hits Darren Young with the RKO and pins him 1-2-3. After the match, the Nexus hit the ring and, you know it, they gang assault the WWE Champion Randy Orton. As the rest of Nexus do their job, Wade Barrett gets in the face of Darren Young, shouting at him for losing to Randy Orton. He's literally screaming at Darren Young, who, remember, put up a bloody good fight, but, I mean, come on, it's Randy Orton. Anyway, Chris Jericho gets his revenge on Orton for by putting him in the walls of Jericho, as Wade Barrett gets on the mat and holds the WWE Championship in front of Orton's face, telling him that this is the last Orton will see of it. This championship will be in Nexus territory from Sunday onwards, so Orton better make the most of it. The show ends. WWE Night of Champions, September 19th, 2010. Alright, we've got a few things happening on this show. At this stage, I am acutely aware that I haven't put much focus on every member of the Nexus thus far. The 
main focus has been on Barrett Jericho and a little bit of Darren Young. So here's what we're going to do. Obviously, we have the main event of the show, which we'll touch on soon. Before the main event, though, we have other matches on the card. So, at Night of Champions 2010, in real life, Daniel Bryan is due to take on The Miz. Uh... However, we're going to have a slight change there. Oh, can I su- suggest what the change is going to be? The Miz stays. Ah! <laughs> Why? You have the chance to rebook it. Before the bell rings, two participants are going to be added to this match by the anonymous Raw General Manager to make it a fatal four-way. Those participants are David Otunga and Darren Young. Apparently, Chris Jericho put forward a very compelling argument for these men to be added to the match. In the fatal four-way, Otunga and Young obviously act as a team against Daniel Bryan and the Miz... In the end, Otunga gets a victory by covering Miz in thumbtacks, slamming him through 17 tables and setting him on fire. I mean, it would be better if he wasn't there at all, but I guess I'll take that as a consolation prize. <laughs> in all seriousness, he wins with a spinebuster, um, which reliably informed as he's finished. So, you could just make David it up. <laughs> I could have, yeah. I could have just, I could have stayed with the thumbtacks, fucking seventeen tables and fire. But I mean, yeah. But like, no, nobody, nobody crazy. knows what his finisher is. You could just fucking. <laughs> it's a spinebuster. But I'm saying, you know, nobody remembers it. You could just be, oh, it's a two rock bottoms, you know. Yeah, it has to be two every time. Yeah. <laughs> David Otunga is the new United States champion. He is the first man to win gold in the Nexus. Next, um, so on, on B-shows, on the occasional episodes of Raw, Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater have been winning tag team matches, so they've earned a title shot against current champions, the Hart Dynasty, and there's a blast from the past. Of course, this was Tyson Kidd and D.H. Smith, a great team, but yeah, Gabriel and Slater are going over, they beat the Hart Dynasty to become the second and third title holders of the Nexus. By the way, sidebar, hilariously, in real life... At Night of Champions, the Hart Dynasty actually lost the tag team titles to the team of Drew McIntyre and Cody Rhodes. Hey, Adrenaline in my soul, almost three times Cody Rhodes. We made it back. I assume he's going to focus pretty heavily in the rest of the rebooking. Um, yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to yeah. that. Yeah, we'll get to that. So, um, but no, it's the Hart Dynasty. Um, but. Yeah, Justin Gabriel, Heath Slater, beat the Hard Dynasty for the tag team titles. Also later in the night, we have a match schedule between Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston for SmackDown's Intercontinental Championship. Well, that all goes to shit after Chris Jericho and Michael Tarver assault Kofi Kingston backstage. They take Kofi's place in the match, and before you know it, Chris Jericho is the new Intercontinental Champion. Okay, he's one after of, the he's match, a real mark for himself, isn't he? He's a real mark, yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> After the match, Jericho cuts a promo saying that Monday Night Raw alone does not hold the Nexus's influence. Jericho and Tarver will now be keeping an eye on SmackDown as well as their Raw duties to remind everyone that the eye of Nexus is forever watching. The Nexus now hold three championships in WWE. And then, in the main event, it's Wade Barrett versus Randy Orton. For the European Championship. For the European Championship, yeah, why not? No, WWE Championship. Uh, There's only one way this can go. This is Wade Barrett's moment. So, with a little help from his friends in the Nexus, Wade Barrett defeats Randy Orton with the wasteland in the middle of the ring to become WWE Champion, as he bloody should have in real life. 
Still pains me that Wade was never champion. He would have been perfect for the title back in 2010. But yeah, this is my fantasy booking. So Wade has defeated Randy Orton and is now the new WWE champion. The Nexus celebrate in the ring after what has been a very good night for them. Held within the Nexus faction are now the WWE Championship, the US Championship, Intercontinental and Tag Team. The Nexus rule WWE and we're not even close to being done yet. Monday Night Raw, September 20th. The next night on Raw we have a championship celebration and what a celebration it would be. They're not celebrating one championship victory, they're celebrating four. The Nexus walk down to the ring with more than half of their crew holding championship gold, but wait... Someone seems to, seems to be missing. Ryback. Ryback. <laughs> he's, he's back. Um, you have David Otunga, United States champion. Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater, tag team champions. Of course, you have Wade Barrett, the leader of the Nexus, as WWE champion. But where is Jericho? Where is Chris Jericho, the IC champion? He's asleep. Darren Young. He's asleep. Yeah. <laughs> he's just in the back having a snooze. He's, 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 he's slept in. Yeah. <laughs> Darren Young and Mike Tarver are there too, by the way. Um, we'll get to them in a few weeks, don't worry. But yes, no Jericho. Wade Barrett gets on the mic and addresses the elephant not in the room. He doesn't want to alarm anybody, but he hasn't heard from Chris Jericho since Night of Champions. Today, he has been completely incommunicado, but not to worry. They're not going to let that spoil their championship celebration, because this is a culmination of months and months of hard work. The Nexus told you that they were going to take over WWE, and well, if you didn't believe it before, you can't help but believe it now. They all have the gold, they all have the power, and there's not a single thing that anyone in WWE can do to change that. But then, there is a commotion on the Titan Tron as somebody screams. Of course, we'd recognise that gravelly voiced high-pitched scream anywhere, it's Chris Jericho! The Nexus look towards the Titantron in horror as they see Chris Jericho sitting in a dark room on a steel chair with an Advisor of Anarchy t-shirt covering his head, but I mean, come on, it's unmistakably Jericho. Standing behind Jericho in the chair he sits on is Randy Orton. He has taken Chris Jericho hostage. The Nexus recoil in fear. Their Advisor is in trouble. Orton smiles at the camera as Wade Barrett demands to know where they are. Randy Orton ignores his demands and instead speaks to the camera and says, I guess there truly is strength in numbers. Last night at Night of Champions, you and your cronies outnumbered me and you took my championship. Well, I have news for you. Wade Barrett, I am invoking my rematch clause in a couple of weeks and it's going to be in a match where your lackeys cannot save you. That's because we're going to be surrounded by five tons of steel. Wade, it's going to be me, you, at hell in the cell. But until then, I'm going to have some fun. Jericho screams for his team to come and save him, but then the clip ends with Jericho's whereabouts remaining unknown. The Nexus freak out in the ring, Uh, most of them do, but Wade Barrett just glares at the screen. Is he speculating his fate as he prepares to walk himself into Hell in a Cell in two weeks? I guess we'll find out soon. By the way, Hell in a Cell 2010 was literally two weeks after Night of Champions 2010. Busy month, busy month, so we don't have a lot of time to build this rematch. Anyway, Raw, September 27th, the go-home show for Hell in a Cell 2010. 
Chris Jericho has still been taken hostage by Randy Orton. That's a whole week now. In any other situation, you'd probably call the police, but not in pro wrestling. Wade Barrett has assigned Darren Young and Michael Tarver to search for the advisor of anarchy after receiving an anonymous tip from somebody called Danny Roter that Orton has Jericho in the arena tonight. Well, towards the end of the show, Young and Tarver think they've cracked it. They found the room where Orton is keeping Jericho, so they round up their Nexus crew, sans Wade Barrett because he had the championship defence to prepare for, and they stormed the room. When they kicked down the door of the dark room, there was a man with his back turned to the camera, and also a man sitting down on a chair with an Advisor of Anarchy t-shirt draped over his head, covering his face, just like Jericho last week. Acting on sheer reflex, the Nexus attack the man with his back to the camera, to which Chris Jericho screams and says, It's me, you idiots. Confused, the Nexus turn to the man in the chair, who has now escaped the room. A cameraman follows him, and of course it's Randy Orton. He's fooled the Nexus into attacking their own advisor. Randy Orton heads for the parking lot, where in a matter of coincidence, Wade Barrett is waiting. Barrett doesn't react as Orton walks up to him. Orton doesn't remote anything either. The two just stare at each other, emotionless, before Randy Orton hears the Nexus catching up with him and proceeds to run to his car. Randy Orton drives away, no doubt to prepare himself for his Hell in a Cell match in six days. So yeah, Hell in a Cell, uh, October 3rd, 2010. So as I mentioned, it's literally two weeks away from Night of Champions. Boy. Uh, on the undercard, we're going to have the Nexus successfully defending their titles. Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater defend their tag titles against Morrison and R-Truth, um, ex-WWE guys of course. Chris Jericho defends his IC title against Kofi Kingston, who he took out last month. And David Atunga defends his US title in a hard-fought victory against WWE all-time great and legend of the business, The Miz. Why? Why? <laughs> Just to fuck with you, really. Uh. <laughs> That's the only reason. <laughs> but in the main event, there is a bigger story. And it's not Wade Barrett losing the WWE title in a Hell in a Cell match, no. It's Wade Barrett legitimising himself in Hell in a Cell. Wade Barrett, a character who in real life rarely won matches without some kind of bullshit going on, is going to step into that Hell in a Cell with Randy Orton and he's going to beat him clean. No interference, no bullshittery. He wins with his own metal. Sure, it's a war, as most Hell in a Cell matches are, but in the end, Randy Orton is simply not going to be enough for the Nexus leader. Wade Barrett successfully defends his WWE Championship after 20 minutes or so inside Hell in a Cell. The show ends with Barrett holding his championship high above his head, looking as dominant as a champion should. Monday Night Raw, October 4th, 2010. Wade Barrett leads his Nexus down to the ring, looking like a strong champion. The clean win over Randy Orton has given him a new aura. The crowd have no choice but to see him as legitimate now. He can get the shit done with or without his cronies in the Nexus. Barrett grabs a microphone with, with his Nexus crew surrounding him and starts to talk about how he can no longer be denied. In fact, he mentions how the Nexus can no longer be denied because not only is he the WWE Champion, but within their group, they have... Intercontinental Champion Chris Jericho, United States Champion David Otunga, and Tag Team Champions Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater. Which, Barrett says, leaves two members who currently stand with nothing to their name. The group of champions intentionally separate themselves from Darren Young and Michael Tarver. 
Young and Tarver on one side of the ring, where Barra and his champions are on the other side. Wade Barra asked the two men, What have either of you done to bring glory to the name of the Nexus? We have been the most dominant force in WWE for four months now, and yet, in our group, I see five dominant individuals, and two who are riding the coattails of their more successful allies. Darren Young, you've lost almost every match you've ever been in. Michael Tarver, the only purpose you served was to aid Chris Jericho in winning the Intercontinental title. Since then, you've been useless. You both, in fact, have been useless. And it was your error which led to our team attacking Chris Jericho last week, so I'm afraid my patience has run thin with you. But I am a fair ruler. I will give you both one more chance to impress. Here's what we're going to do. You each will face me in a match. We'll put a five minute timer on the big screen there. If you can defeat me in five minutes, then you will remain a member of the Nexus. If you cannot defeat me, you will be exiled. So there we go. Wade Barrett wants to rid his group of weakness. And it starts tonight with Wade Barrett taking on Michael Tarver in this five minute challenge he's organised. Now, I'm doing this to incorporate another bit of real life into this story. It was on this episode of Raw, October 5th, 2010, where Michael Tarver was forced out of the Nexus. The non kayfabe reason was that he had a nagging groin injury which he needed to heal, um, and also he's working on his Christian uh, rap career. So he was written out of the storyline. Uh, we'll do the same here. Michael Tarver takes on Wade Barrett and will lose in less than a minute so as not to worsen his injury. After the match, the Nexus will beat him down with Darren Young notably holding back a bit and throw him out the ring, officialising his removal from the Nexus. So Michael Tarver has been written out of the storyline because of his injury, just like Skip Sheffield was at the start of the booking. Barrett's then going to look at Darren Young saying, you have a week to prepare, do not let us down. In the next segment, we see Michael Tarver on a stretcher being loaded into an ambulance. Daniel Bryan watches from afar. Is this some kind of a tease? Maybe. Monday Night Raw, October 11th, 2010, with Michael Tarver now exiled from the Nexus, Wade Barrett sets his sights on Darren Young. They have their five-minute challenge match, and boy, does Darren Young put up a fight. From the second the bell rings, Darren Young is on Barrett. Four months of torment, plus the reality of his situation he's in, he gives it his all. Wade Barrett does not win, but he just about survives the five minutes with Darren Young. Of course, the stipulation was that Darren Young had to beat Barrett to remain in the Nexus. He didn't beat him, he only lasted five minutes, and despite giving Wade Barrett a bloody good fight, well, it's just a shame, isn't it? As soon as the five-minute bell rings, Chris Jericho immediately is in the ring to start the assault on Darren Young. The rest of the Nexus crew follow suit, but suddenly, Flight of the Valkyries hits over the PA system and outruns Daniel Bryan with a steel chair. He slides into the ring and starts swinging that chair left and right, trying to catch members of the Nexus, but they all fall out of the ring to avoid him. Daniel Bryan has come to save Darren Young after seeing what happened to Michael Tarver last week, but the damage is done. Darren Young is Nexus no more. Monday Night Raw, October 18th, 2010. On this episode, the anonymous Raw General Manager, um, oh, 
This always reminds me that we absolutely must fucking rebook that at some point, by the way. What shite. Uh, but where was it? The, the Raw, anonymous Raw general manager announces Wade Barrett's opponent for su- this Sunday's bragging rights pay-per-view. That's right, another fucking pay-per-view. WWE were literally grabbing at money back in 2010. But yeah, Wade Barrett is announced to be defending the WWE Championship against, you guessed it, former Nexus member Daniel Bryan. There is a lot of history there after all. Daniel Bryan, of course, was the first Nexus member to be axed right after the Nexus debut. Maybe that's why he showed sympathy for both Michael Tarver and Darren Young. Regardless, Daniel Bryan is on a winning streak and is set to take on Wade Barrett this Sunday. The Nexus come down to the ring, led as always by Wade Barrett. Barrett cuts a promo on the history that we just covered with Daniel Bryan. He says that he kicked Daniel Bryan out of Nexus previously, and this time he'll kick him out of the entire WWE. Daniel Bryan's music hits, and he walks right into the ring with all five Nexus members surrounding him. No fear. Literally no fear. He walks up to Wade Barrett and gets in his face. Barrett is shocked that someone has been so bold as to walk straight into the tiger's lair. But Daniel Bryan does not give a shit. The Nexus wait on their leader's command, but it does not come, as Daniel Bryan cuts a promo on Wade Barrett, saying that this is a moment he's been waiting for for a long time. Not a 7-on-7 match. Not 2-on-2. No. 1-on-1. Daniel Bryan is the best wrestler in the world and he'll prove it on Sunday by taking Barrett's title from him. And then he turns around to the rest of the Nexus who have circled him. He still has the microphone and he says, I understand what happens next. I've seen it happen time and time and again. You're all getting ready to take me down now, right? Gang assault, five on one. I'd have no chance, so you'll probably win. But let me tell you something. I will not go down easy. You'll win the battle, sure, but I guarantee, I guarantee that one of you is going to lose an eye in the process. Who's it going to be? Rey Mysterio. (laughs) That would be ridiculous. Obviously, nobody's going to really lose their eye. No, definitely not. That would be nonsense. WWE wouldn't buy a a, a prop eye and then have it come out of (laughs) Rey Mysterio's mask. And then pop it in like it was nothing, like two months later. That's a great idea, though. If they're listening to this, maybe they should do that. Maybe they should, yeah. Maybe we should book that. Uh, but yeah, that makes the Nexus think twice. Uh, Wade Barrett smiles a cocky, shit-eating grin, and he nods to his Nexus teammates, and they all exit the ring, leaving Daniel Bryan alone. As they walk up the ramp, Wade Barrett raises the WWE Championship high above his head, signifying that no matter what, he is still champion. At Bragging Rights 2010, the Nexus are going to once again successfully defend their titles. Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater will successfully defend against newcomers, the Usos. David Otunga will defend his US title against Evan Bourne. And Chris Jericho will defend his Intercontinental title against, oh, let's say, for the sake of a blast from the past, Caval. Remember Caval? Briefly. Loki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He uh, had just won NXT Season 2 at this point in 2010, so there you go. Um, In the main event of the show, it's going to be another defining victory for Wade Barrett. Once again, he will defeat his opponent clean, keeping Daniel Bryan down for the 1-2-3. Nexus, now overconfident and out of control, ends the show by once again ripping shit up. They break ringside equipment, they break the ring itself, cameras, a commentary table, lighting rigs, a lot... 
They are a pack of wild animals and it's almost like they have complete control of WWE at this stage. Wade Barrett, Chris Jericho, David Otunga, Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater hold five prestigious WWE titles between them. They also have defeated a who's who of WWE over the last four months. How can they be stopped? Who will stop them? Monday Night Raw, October 25, 2010. It's the night after bragging rights and Nexus have been fucking shit up for quite a while now. They've become loose cannons and have been getting steadily worse since their debut, so someone needs to step in. Enter Mr. McMahon. On June 1st, 2010, in real life, the Nexus attacked McMahon in the ring, culminating in a brutal 450 splash from Justin Gabriel. Legitimately, the story was that he was in a fucking coma from the attack. Um when he reappeared on screen in November 2010. But, yeah, we're not going to go with the coma idea. Let's just go with the whole, you know, um, you know, he's a 65-year-old man who got beaten up by seven dangerous hooligans. It took him a while to recover. How about that? Um, you know, just makes sense. So, anyway, Mr. McMahon is here and he's acknowledging how dangerous the Nexus are. He invites the Nexus out to join him in the ring, but warns him that if they lay one finger on him, he'll not only fire them on the spot, serve them with an absolute behemoth of a lawsuit. Wade Barrett leads Jericho, Atunga, Slater and Gabriel out onto the stage so they can hear what Vinnie Mac has to say. Vinnie Mac says that he respects what the Nexus have been doing. Nobody respects a bit of chaos and ultra-assertiveness more than Vince McMahon after all, but that doesn't mean he has to like it. The Nexus are tearing his company apart and it's come time that they are held accountable for their actions. Something needs to be done about them. So, Mr. McMahon proposes, in a few weeks, Survivor Series 2010 will be taking place in Miami, Florida and McMahon wants to keep alive a Survivor Series tradition. At this event, there will be a 5-on-5 elimination match. This will be five members of the Nexus versus five members of the WWE roster chosen by Mr. McMahon. But, as an added stipulation, this match will be for all the gold. That's right, winner takes all. All the gold. So, if Nexus lose this elimination tag match, Wade Barrett will no longer be WWE Champion. Chris Jericho will no longer be Intercontinental Champion. David Otunga will no longer be US Champion. And Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater will no longer be Tag Team Champions. If they lose, the gold will be deemed possession of Team WWE. Who gets what belt will be decided beforehand. Obviously, the Nexus are outraged. Wade Barrett demands to know what they will get if they win. To which Mr. McMahon just says, well, you get to retain your championships, nothing more. That's the life of a champion. Nothing to gain, everything to lose. Mr. McMahon says that the opposing team will be announced next week on Raw as his entry music hits and he leaves. Next week, the teams are announced by Mr. McMahon himself. In the tag team title slots, we're going to have the very men that Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater defeated for the belts. It's the Hart Dynasty, Tyson Kidd and D.H. Smith. In the Intercontinental title slot, we have Darren Young. The same Darren Young who was kicked out of the Nexus Nexus a month ago. The same Darren Young who's been putting in 110% to every match he's been put in. And he's been getting more and more cheers over the weeks despite being labelled as a Lexus member. Now... He'll have a chance to get back at the Nexus, and specifically Chris Jericho, who he butted heads with on a few occasions. 
which leaves the WWE title slot and the US title slot. This one's a bit more complicated. There are two men in these slots and they will battle next week on Monday Night Raw to determine which one is put in the WWE World Title Shot slot. Slot. These two men are Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton. Whoever wins that match will win the WWE Championship if the Nexus are defeated at Survivor Series. Whoever loses between Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton will stand to win the US title if the Nexus are defeated at Survivor Series. We'll see what happens there next week. Monday Night Raw, November November 8th, 2010. We're going to have Randy Orton versus Daniel Bryan in a speciality match to determine who gets the WWE title slot at Survivor Series. The speciality match is a lumberjack match with all five members of the Nexus at ringside. If Orton or Bryan fall out of the ring, the Nexus will do their bit to make sure they get back into the ring very quickly. So, obviously, that comes to play in the match. Eventually, it results in Bryan and Orton having to fight off the Nexus on certain occasions. On one occasion, Orton tries to take advantage of a Nexus distraction and rolls up Daniel Bryan, but Bryan kicks out of two. Well, Orton gets his just as outs later when he gets distracted by the Nexus and Daniel Bryan returns a favour, rolling him up for the 1-2-3. Daniel Bryan wins a match, but Orton isn't happy. He starts pushing Bryan, complaining that he took advantage of the Nexus distraction. Bryan argues back that he did just what Orton did earlier in the match, but better. Anyway, their discussions don't last long because the Nexus storm the ring and start to lay a beating on the two main eventers. But for the first time in a long time, the numbers are evened up as Tyson Kidd, D.A. Smith and Darren Young rush down to the ring to get in the fight. It's the first time Darren Young has got his hands on his former brethren and boy is he cleaning house. Team WWE clear the ring of the Nexus with Orton and Bryan continuing their stare down as Raw goes off the air. Monday Night Raw on November 15th, 2010. It's the go-home Raw for Survivor Series and Randy Orton, he's having trust issues. He's slightly annoyed at being delegated to the US title spot on Survivor Series, but the main issue he's having is with his team members. I mean, seriously, two of his four teammates are ex-Nexus. Daniel Bryan and Darren Young, the latter of whom only left last month. Orton is damn near convinced that this is some kind of setup, just like with Jericho a few months back. We see a segment backstage where Randy Orton is confronting Darren Young in the locker room, giving him a warning that he better not screw him at Survivor Series, but Daniel Bryan comes in and sticks up for him. He and Orton have another stare down before Orton leaves, unimpressed. Also on the show, we're going to have some tune-up matches for the Nexus. We'll have Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater defeating Santino Morella and Vladimir Kozlov. <laughs> we'll have Chris Jericho. <laughs> well, I forgot about that. Remember that? Yeah, remember that? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> We'll have Chris Jericho defeating William Regal. We'll have David Otunga defeating Goldust. And we'll have Wade Barrett defeating Sheamus in the main event. As the main event ends, there's a five-on-five stare-down between Nexus and Team WWE. One of these teams is going to leave with all the belts on Sunday at Survivor Series, but which one will it be? Of course, a mass brawl erupts. Team WWE clear the ring of the Nexus. But there is a huge miscommunication in Team WWE. Darren Young walks up behind Randy Orton, with Randy Orton instinctively going for the RKO, but before he hits it, Daniel Bryan pushes Orton out of the way onto his ass. Orton stares up at Bryan and Young, and hey, if looks could kill, they'd be pushing up Daisy's by now. 
The show ends with Nexus smiling at the carnage in the ring. This is exactly what they need. Can Team WWE get on the same page to finally defeat the Nexus at Survivor Series? I guess we'll have to see. Alright, Survivor Series, November 1st, 2010. Here we are, the great conclusion. Survivor Series, 5 on 5, elimination tag match. The winning team takes all the belts. Now, you really can go both ways here, I guess. Um, for me, I guess I would keep the Nexus strong and have them win this one. I mean, they're still only five months or so into the run here. They can go for a little bit longer before being toppled. You could stretch things out to the Rumble or even WrestleMania here if you wanted to. I'm not going to do that today, but I guess there's potential for part two down the line. But yeah, I'd have a complete breakdown of communication between Randy Orton, Daniel Bryan and Darren Young in this match. Orton's paranoia is going to get the better of him and he'll end up costing his team the match, accidentally or otherwise. This will allow the Nexus, or maybe just Barrett specifically, to capitalise and continue his reign as WWE Champion. And hey, that's today's story. But a few points to kind of um, round things off here just to truly conclude this story. So I touched on it a bit earlier, but I involved Chris Jericho in this story for the sake of star power. That's why he became Intercontinental Champion and why he's in this match. Um, you know, said earlier, the strength and weakness of Nexus is that it was seven or eight. Um, nobody's basically, and at least to the WWE audience. So adding Chris Jericho to the mix makes your chances of obscurity drastic go down. Um, also, aligning himself with Jericho will help these newbies learn faster. He was at the absolute top of his game in 2010, so they'd all see firsthand what it takes to be a star. Darren Young is going to be made in this match, win or loss. This is him going up against his former, his former group who basically bullied him and then ostracised him. Former Nexus member Daniel Bryan got made going up against the Nexus at SummerSlam Paris, so now Darren Young gets his shot at Survivor Series. Speaking of Daniel Bryan, he's surely going to go into a feud with Randy Orton, with Randy Orton after all of this. That'll keep those guys occupied for a while, so the Nexus can continue their domination. And from these few months, basically all Nexus members get made. Um, some more than others, sure, but better than what happened in real life. They're all wearing gold, baby. I can hear the put the belts on them crowd now, but but by being held by a dominant faction, the prestige of these belts is only going to go up. I mean, who's going to be the first to lose the title, right? And how will leader Wade Barrett react to that? And at some point, I guess you do bring back John Cena. Maybe he's the big WrestleMania match, Barrett versus Cena. At some point, Skip Sheffield and Michael Tarver are going to return from their injuries with business to take care of for or against the Nexus. Uh, maybe, just maybe, it's Chris Jericho is going to slowly detach himself from the group when they're over enough for that to happen. Maybe he turns babyface or maybe even Nexus turns babyface and we get Wade Barrett versus Chris Jericho down the line. A million possibilities, but hey, that's how I would book the Nexus. Favors, so maybe you'd do it differently. If you would, let us know. We're also happy to hear feedback. And hey, if you enjoyed this, then please tweet about it, post on Reddit about it, tell your friends about it. But now we're going to go over to my friend Dylan with his thoughts on today's Nexus fantasy booking. So take it away, Dylan. Shite. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Imagine you doing this big, like, hour and a half long thing. I'm <laughs> just like... Did, didn't like it. <laughs> Did not care for it Sucked. from the start. 
Too much Miz. Do it again. We're, yeah, that's right. I did mention him as a few times. Too many that, that's, times. That's, that's, that was my downfall. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's let's set aside the Miz problem for now. Don't need to worry <laughs> okay. about that. Um, you you touched on a lot of good stuff there. That I'm gonna I'm gonna go through. I've been taking notes, so I'll go go, go through it all. Um, so first of all, I really like the idea. You started off with like Weird Bart kind of pinning, you know, like uh, the Nexus beat up everybody. They roll them into the ring. Weird Bart pins them all one by one. That's great because it sets up Weird Bart like straight away. You know who the leader is. There's no argument there. They're all doing his work, and he's pinning all these guys. Great visual. Even the bit where like John Cena like because that then it would totally work if John Cena kicks out Weird Bart's like what the fuck. Yeah. Then you have like a little bit of a match. That's great, right? I think I I really like that because I think that's a great visual. Um, I love the idea of Chris Jericho like masterminding it from behind the scenes, like him kind of setting the stage for NXT and getting these people together just so that it can come to a head for him to not you know he doesn't even need to be the leader, but he's kind of like the the impetus for it he he started the whole thing it's a very advisor of anarchy yeah it's a very jericho thing you know i really like that so i really like the thing is about one one thing i forgot to mention as well is that chris jericho um was looking for a faction around this time in wdb um he always wanted to have his own faction because he was never in a faction and he never got his wish which obviously was what what led to being the inner circle in uh AEW. Yeah, I was so, gonna say go. like he's 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 doing all right with himself and factions in AEW right now, isn't he? He's got two now, yeah. Jericho appreciates having society. a great time. But I really like that thing because like that made sense, and it also was a, another way to kind of like add layer. Like we know why Jericho was there. You've you justified it. Jericho was there because he's a veteran. Sure. These are all rookies. It makes sense. But from a storyline perspective, it made sense to add that reason for Jericho to be there. I mean, like it said, it's a very Jericho thing to do. Yeah. You know? So, like, right off the bat, you're showing a lot of team unity, which I really like. Except for, like, um, like the, the cracks start to show later, you know, not hmm. straight off the bat. So, I really like the Nexus taking a lot of the belts. Now, th- with the whole put the belt on them crew, right? <laughs> We've explained this before. It, it's like... You can't you can't get people over just by putting the belt on them, but you do mm. it in a story so that it makes sense. You use the belts with the story, right? And so, if it's just a flat like the Jack Swagger we were talking about earlier, if it's just a flat, somebody wins yes. the belt, nobody cares. There's no storyline, nothing Perfect happens. Example. It doesn't. Yep. There's no reason for it, and it makes that guy look bad because nobody remembers him as champion, or like they remember him as a loser champion, right? Who cares that he was champion? It's it's not that interesting because there's no story there. There's no reason for him to have the belt. And he lost it. Nobody fucking remembers who he lost it to, who he won it from. It's all, you know, we don't remember. <laughs> it's not important. But with this, it makes sense to show the unity between the group by them all taking the belts from the WWE. That's part of the storyline. And the story is that if Wade Barrett wins the, the championship, he's going to be the top dog, right? That's what the championship is for. That's yeah. the story. So I really like the idea of them all. That, 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 that's something I would do. I would absolutely have done that. Shows how to get that stable over strong right off the bat. Is get them to win a lot of the belts really quickly. Because then, you know, that's part of the story. So I really like that. It, it's it's a whole like, um, you, you pick and choose your spots. You know what I mean? 
you don't just it, you, you can't just put the belt on Alexa Bliss <laughs> and hope that that makes the story. That's not how that works. Yeah. It's the storyline that goes around. You, with you them. can't put the belt on someone just to get them over. Right. But someone who is over, if you put the belt on them, they're going to be more over. Yeah, it, it depends on the story and it depends on the person. But if you just give somebody a belt for, with no storyline, with no heat, with no drama, with no nothing, then nobody's going to yeah. care. And here we have the story, we have the heat, and then the belts add more heat to the team, right? Mm-hmm. It makes sense. So I liked all of this. I liked how you had Darren Young. Early on, you were showing that you know he had a chance to shine and he was working these matches and stuff like this. So you can kind of see what, what you're laying the groundwork for mm-hmm. with Darren Young. And again, this is all like sensible stuff. You lay the groundwork first and then, you know, because if you just do it where Darren Young just ends up beating everybody, like, you know, like if he turned on the Nexus and then won all the matches, you're like, where did this come from? Hmm. But if you put him in matches and show him putting on a good showing every time, he might not win every time, but he's putting on a good showing every single time, getting better and better and better. Then that way, you know, if there is a turn, you know that he's going to put up a fight, right? Yeah. Shit like that. It sounds simple, but it fucking makes sense, right? Um, so regarding the belts, I like the idea of the belts all being put on the line of Survivor Series because obviously th- there had to be a match in Survivor Series. Yeah. With a group that big, fighting against the WWE, it all had to lead to some kind of multi-man match in Survivor Series. But having all the gold on the line in that match, to me, made a lot of sense. It makes me wonder what the fuck else was going to happen on that show. <laughs> yeah. Good point. The, Good point, the, actually. Yeah. The other matches. <laughs> but, but that doesn't matter because we're rebooking this, so fuck you, right? <laughs> oh, no, don't, don't, don't worry about it. They just uh, they, they introduced the, uh, the Mid-Atlantic, the old Atlantic title, and then they fought for that, so it's fine. Yeah, but like with guys in Japan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Famously in the Atlantic. um but like for but again in the storyline it it made sense that all those belts would be on the line right Mm. and i like the way that that came out i like the daniel bryan um ryan the orton bit going into that Mm. that's fun and i like the way that when it resolves you're gonna have a randy orton daniel bryan feud that's gonna be fun you know that's gonna be fun so i really like that i liked randy orton being like the paranoid guy as well because again that that suits his character and it's like it's legit as well because two of his two of his team are ex Nexus members, right. and it's like why wouldn't you be paranoid? Like the Nexus always have a plan, right? So um, you know they, they screwed. But that's exactly they, it. They, they screwed got, somebody with Jericho. That's what I was gonna say. That you've already seen them play mind games and screw somebody over with Chris Jericho. There's already mm. a reason why Randy Orton would be suspicious. You know why would he trust these Nexus guys whenever the fucking WWE guys screwed them over? Yeah. There's re- see this the, the plot points all come back they all make sense right this is this is what is important about book and storyline shit you have to make it all kind of make sense you know yeah so overall there's a lot of really good stuff that happened you made Wade Bart look good which is great but you also made a lot of the other Nexus guys look good as well maybe not Ryback and Michael Darver but come on <laughs> we're doing the best we can here guys we're not miracle workers you know what I mean. <laughs> You know, some some things we, we I don't know if we could could we could we book Ryback and Michael Tarver probably, but we're not going we to. Choose one day. <laughs> we're gonna lay that right now so that nobody asks us. Don't stop asking us about rebooking Michael Tarver. He's happy being a Christian rapper. All right, 
Monster Tarver. Yeah. yeah, sorry, my mistake. He's having a great time doing that, and Ryback's having a great time shouting at people on Twitter. <laughs> so, <laughs> for some reason, it's so he's weird. Such an angry man. It's so weird that he's like this big fucking roided up dude, and all he does is just yell at people on Twitter. He's a big keyboard warrior. Yeah, it's so strange. God. Anyway, so overall, I think. I mean, to be fair, the WWE screwed the Nexus over so hard that it, it wouldn't have taken a whole lot to be better than what they did. But you were able to book it consistently and in a smart manner from you know SummerSlam to Survivor Series. It all made sense. People look strong. Even the WWE guys, it all made sense. So I thought that was good stuff. Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. Yeah, this is a, I'm, I'm proud of this one. Um, I, I understand it was a... A bit of a long one, so I hope you're still with us, Keith Abers. <laughs> um, but yeah, just it's one of those ones where you just start writing and you don't stop. And um, there's still space for a part two here, believe it or not. So maybe we'll cover that in a future season because I want to book all the way up to WrestleMania and see kind of what we can do there. So it's fun, it's fun booking um, stables, isn't it? Oh, it really is. I, I know why you do it a lot yeah. now. I know why you always finish the season by stable because you just there's so many guys that you can just so many moving parts. Yeah, get get involved. Yeah, so many moving there was, parts. There was a bit. Just, oh, there was a bit. What's this guy doing? What's that guy doing? There was a bit earlier on where you're like, no, you might wonder. I'm not using. I'm focusing on Bart here. I'm not using everybody correctly. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's a step step back, kid. Let me <laughs> <laughs> let me show you how to book a stable. You know, <laughs> but but again, it all it all came around in the end. You know. Yeah, totally, man. It's um, no, like you say, it's a lot of moving parts, but it's very fun to just, yeah, have it all come together and get everyone their due kind of thing. Make sure everyone gets at least something out of it, or if they don't have a reason for it. So, um, but hey, it's time for you to do something. It's time for you to <laughs> it's about fucking time. <laughs> it's about <laughs> you've been sitting on your ass for a fucking whole hour and you've not booked anything. So, how about we play a game of Kefir and Bola? Let's do it. Well, it is time for Kayfabe Tumbola, the fun minigame we play at the end of every Making Kayfabe episode. If this is your first time listening, first of all, thank you, but I will quickly explain the rules now. So, in front of me, I have four wrestlers and four scenarios, numbered 1 to 4 and lettered A to D. Since he has not written today's fantasy booking, Dylan here will soon give me a random number letter combination like a 4C or a 1A, and then he'll have 60 seconds-ish to improvise the greatest storyline of all time based on his selections. This week's Tombola is submitted by Keith Cordry at Coods, with a K, on Twitter. And now, I don't want to overhype this, but this might just be one of the best Tombolas we've ever received. Mm-hmm. Like, Dylan, if you don't like this Tombola... <laughs> I'm fired. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> you will like this. <laughs> Um, legit dude like uh, if you don't like both the wrestlers and the fucking scenarios here then I clearly haven't learned anything about you from you know two decades of friendship so that that is arguable yeah, yeah, I also possibly as well yeah but that's, that's for a different show <laughs> this tumbola is so far up your street that it's knocked on your door it's barged its way inside and it's currently making you a cup of tea That that's how for you this Timbola is, right? Um, why this Timbola is so awesome might not become immediately obvious, but mm. trust me, it will it will land and you'll fucking love it. Okay. Um, so, y- y- your finest number letter combination, please. 
I mean, don't hype it up too much there, Bryce. I mean, yeah, it's just been fucking two minutes, but dude, it's fucking good. Just shoot, just shoot it. I'm going to go for... You know I'm going to go for? What are you going to go for? I'm going to go for Gorillas, the 2D. The 2D? Yeah. All right, okay, the good old Gorillas pick. I haven't Happy done days. Gorillas in a while, so I thought... We've not done Gorillas in a long time, yeah. yeah, so it's about time for some for some 2D, yeah. Do I know who you could have had? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> you will find out. Uh, right. You could have had Rico. <laughs> you didn't Ooh. get Rico. You did not get Rico. Okay. You could have had Reno. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. You did not get Reno. You could have had Repo, man. <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But who you got was Rico. <laughs> Thank you for the symmetry between all of the wrestlers there. Very well done, isn't it? So yeah, Rico, Rico, okay. Re- Rico, Rico, Reno, and Repo, man. So just to make it clear, <laughs> I'm I'm rebooking Rico. You've got Riho, yes, Riho. AEW, not former Rico. women's champion. No, Riho. Riho, not Rico. Uh, Riho. Or Reno, or not Repo. Not Reno. you got Riho. Not Repo. Not Reno. Not Rico. Not not Reno. Re- not Repo, Re- Riho. man. Not, not the Rico man. Yeah. Or the Reno man. Uh, we, Rico. Could do, we could do this for a while. We actually could, yeah. <laughs> You've got Rico, all right? No, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got Rico. You have Riho. Riho. New listeners to the show are like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I'm also like, what the fuck yeah. is going on here? <laughs> All right. Do I know what you've got Riho doing? Yes, please. Well, I'll tell you what you've not got her doing. Okay. Riho is not proving that they invented a super kick and now no one else can use it. Mm-hmm. You this, uh, I think you mean Stevie kick. Uh, yes, of course, yeah. That's, that's why you didn't get that one, because mm-hmm. obviously it's Stevie Kick. Yeah, too um, easy. You could have got Rico goes to main eventer school so they can stand in for Roman Reigns on the smaller house shows. Is it a real school? Guess so, yeah. Oh, okay. Makes sense as well, because Roman obviously working less dates these days, so mm-hmm. someone's got to be Roman Reigns. Well, it's got, um, it may as well be Rico. It might as well be Rico, right? <laughs> um, You could have got Rico goes back in time for some reason. P.S. <laughs> P.S. Her best friend is a talking pie. Oh, that's from The Simpsons. You seeing the theme here? Um, are they all from The Simpsons? They are. What was the first one again? Proves that they invented a super kick and no one else can use it. That wasn't The Simpsons. Well, it's not a super kick, but I imagine it's like not a flaming mole, maybe. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. I mean, you've got you've got a fucking wrestling spin to it, obviously. I mean, the second one goes to main eventer school so we can stand in for Roman Reigns. Well, that's, that's, Krusty that's Krusty the Clown. The Clown, the clown school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you know what you got? Oh, let me. He steals Mo's car to get the insurance money. No, not that. You've got the fucking best one you could have got, and I'm actually very happy you got this. You got Rio and the Flying Hellfish. No. <laughs> That'd be great. Riho, cause the head off statue. <laughs> you got Riho. I'm just gonna read this verbatim. Mm-hmm. Um so you got Riho. Mr. McMahon, I hope you're ready 
for an incredible luncheon. <laughs> okay. So let yep. me... I'm going to say, Riho cooks Mr. McMahon an unforgettable luncheon. Yes, unforgettable, sorry. Yeah, it is unforgettable, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And that's all it is? That's all it is. You can, you can do what you want with that. Riho cooks... Mr. McMahon, an unforgettable luncheon. I, I sure hope we don't see an Aurora Borrijoialis. Well, now that you've said that, I'm not going to do it. Okay, go. Because <laughs> I'm not allowed to get, I'm not allowed to get tip hints. That's that's against the rules. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, forget forget what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cut this bit out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you've got Rijo taking Mr. McMahon for an unforgettable luncheon, so, yeah, I don't know. What, what, what are you thinking about that? I have no fucking idea, but we'll figure how, it out on the way How down. much time do you want me to kill here? <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I I feel like this is one of those ones where we could kill time for a day and a half, and I don't think I'd come up with anything, so <laughs> we may as well just go for it. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Alright, you want to well go just, for it I'll, I'll just, I'll figure it out while I'm saying it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's see how you do then. So, Dylan, you've got 60 seconds-ish to tell us all about how Rico invites Mr. McMahon for tea, I guess, and gives him an incredible luncheon, unforgettable luncheon. So, yeah, alright, here okay. we go. I'm going to count you down in <laughs> okay. three, two, one. Give me that Aurora Borealis. Alright, so Mr. McMahon is really hungry and he needs some food. So he goes outside to look for somebody to help him. And Rico is looking for a job. She... Hasn't been on AWTV. Has she? I don't fucking know. So she's looking for a new job. And she sees Mr. McMahon. Everybody knows who Mr. McMahon is. So she goes up to him. and But she can't speak English very well. So she's like, I know what I'll do. In her head, she's like, I will cook Mr. McMahon an unforgettable luncheon. <laughs> and this will persuade him to give me a job in the WWE. As a wrestler, as a chef, doesn't matter. I'll have WWE money. And that's good money, right? So, Riho decides to uh, invite Vince McMahon. She writes him a letter and gives it to him, uh, which is in English. She can write English, but she can't speak it. And then <laughs> she, <laughs> she invites go, It's going great, buddy. It's going great. Invites Vince McMahon to her house, and she create, gives him an unforgettable luncheon, which is Vince McMahon's favorite food, spaghetti. <laughs> so, he, she makes him a spaghetti. But then when she gives him the spaghetti... Mitz McMahon looks at the kitchen like, wait, is that a fire in your kitchen? <laughs> and then Riho says in Japanese, no, that's just the Aurora Borealis. And Vince McMahon <laughs> says, I don't, what? I don't speak Japanese. And then there's like a really awkward moment where both of them realize that they don't really understand each other. And then Vince McMahon just dabs his napkin on his um, lips. and is like, oh, it was nice. I'll see you later. Then Rio hits him in the back of the head with a chair. Bam! <laughs> so it became a forgettable luncheon. Right? No, it didn't give him amnesia. I didn't say that. But I'm oh. saying because Vince McMahon's a tough kid, right? You know, he can right. he can take. So if you just cooked Vince McMahon a meal, he'd be like, yeah, whatever. But if you cook him a meal and then hit him in the head with a chair, you're not gonna forget that meal in a hurry. You're gonna remember that time you get hit with the head with a chair, right? He'll respect that. That's ruthless yeah. aggression. And that's how you get a job. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> 159. That's all right. <laughs> that was incredible. Thank you. That, <laughs> you have a... Yeah, I don't know how you came up with all that, but that's a pretty, pretty damn good. Um, all and, I yeah. had was spaghetti. Can I just start laughing at the <laughs> idea of Rio cooking 
Vince McMahon spaghetti. I thought that was really funny. And it turns out that was the least funny part of the whole tombola. I mean, I enjoyed the spaghetti. The randomness of the spaghetti. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's a... Uh, I mean, we need more tombolas that are like, you know, yeah, make, sending, yeah. Right? If you make <laughs> them about the incredible. Simpsons, we're going to have a good time. Oh, yeah. What, 700 episodes? Like, there's plenty of stories. Well, don't make them about so, the new so. Simpsons. We haven't seen them. Seasons 3 till 12, please. Yeah. yeah. Don't, not, like none, none of this season 27 bullshit. I don't no. want to fuck that. I've, always, I've wanted to go back and watch those, actually. I said go back and watch them. Watch them for the first time. Like, cause apparently some are quite good, but... Yeah, yeah well, I, some of them are not good. <laughs> some was nervous. Um all right, well, that was fantastic. A huge thanks to Keith for submitting today's Tombola. He's at Kuds on Twitter. That's K-O-O-D-S. And you can also follow his wrestling persona, Erudite James Erdos on Twitter, at James Erdos. Cheers, Keith. Thank you. More Simpsons Tombolas, please. Wow, another episode in the bag. Thank you for listening, Kayfabers. We've spoken at you, so now it's time for you to come speak at us. Let us know what you thought of today's episode. If you aren't subscribed, subscribe. If you haven't rated us on your favourite podcast app, rate us. If you aren't following us on social media, follow. We're at Making Kayfabe on Twitter and Instagram. We're always posting mostly episode-relevant stuff there and interacting with you guys, so go and check what we're up to there. If you want to support us with your wallet and get something back for it, we are on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash makingkayfabe. As it stands, there are 17 full-length exclusive fantasy bookings which you haven't heard available for everyone on the £5 tier and above. We release a new Patreon exclusive fantasy booking each month and this month, I believe our supporters have voted for a booking of Jerry Lawler as WWE Champion, so that should be a fun one. Dylan's back next week with another excellent villainous booking. Dylan, any clues for the lovely listeners on what you'll be fantasy booking next week? Yes, I do have a clue for all of the lovely listeners. Is it a blue clue? It is a blue meanie clue. Oh, it's a blue meanie! No, obviously that that wouldn't be a clue if I just told people what it was. (laughs) What kind of a clue would that be? (laughs) We already did that on Patreon anyway. Well, we're going to do it again because the blue meanie is awesome. Everybody loves the blue meanie. But yeah, set set GPL. <laughs> yeah, but they're they're best friends now. Oh, okay, fair enough. I don't know about best friends, but they're friends. Friends. Let's say, unfortunately, I don't think the blue meanie is going to be able to fit in to next week's rebooking. But it is a rebooking that is not WWE based. Ooh. And I'm I've been pretty WWE. Look, because let's be honest here, they're the ones that screw up the most. <laughs> It's been very, very easy to do the WWE. Now, occasionally I've strayed out of uh, the WWE territory. And so next week, I'm going to try something a little different. I'm going to try and not to book something from the WWE. So let's say that. It's also kind of recent. Oh, cool. Nice one. So something kind of recent that's not WWE. You don't often uh, step out of the, the WWE uh, portal, I guess, but mm-hmm. one of the last times you did, you booked Riho, believe it or not. So yeah. Yes, the women's division. Yeah, the AEW um, women's division. So there, she, there you go. she cooks spaghetti for Vince McMahon. <laughs> That's the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, l- looking forward to that. So, all right, folks, we are out of here. Thank you, as always, for your support. It means the world to us. We love bringing you these episodes, and we love that you love listening. 
We'll see you next week for another episode of Making Kayfabe, but until then, always be kayfabe Goodbye.